Hi, I'm Tim. And I'm Ginny. And we are the, the Irreverence. Irreverence. Hi, hey. everybody. Hi, everybody. How are you? Yeah. They good. can't answer. They can't. You can. I can. I can imagine their answers, though. The crowd. Ba- we're great. Right. I would imagine that it's that for a lot of people, when you ask them how they are right now, there's just a little bit of silence. It's like seriously, like, you. You're, you're even asking me this question right now, right? Have you have you seen the world? Because <laughs> right, because things are difficult and confusing yeah. right now. Um, but you know, life goes on, and we're doing the best we can, which is all we ever can do, right? That's right. Right. So, speaking um, of people doing the best they can, you know yeah. who did the best he could? What Joseph. Shall we make, what an elegant little segue there. Sorry, I'm in a hurry. I got a stewardship meeting in a half hour. I hear you, my brother. <laughs> All right. I will read from the okay. book of Genesis. Um, when last, previously in the book of Genesis. Previously Joseph had, in Genesis. God, I'm so glad you did that. Um, Joseph was in a pit with no water and sold into slavery. <clears throat> so now we catch up. You could almost say it was a pit of despair. You could say in fact, a dry one. Yeah. And this is Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 15. Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in this land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, while Benjamin wept upon his neck. 
and he kissed all of his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Wow. Here ends a very weepy, teary reunion scene. The most intense reconciliation in the entire Bible outside of Jesus asking Father forgive them on the cross. So I would say even in that moment, we don't really know what's coming. Mm -mm. This one is just, you know, decades in the making. And in in the interim, I mean, we skip over in the weeks, but I mean, Joseph has been through some seriously rough stuff, like enslaved. His master's wife accuses him of trying to assault her, even though she was actually trying to seduce him. And he gets thrown in prison for it. And from there, he meets a couple of guys who he's able to interpret their dreams for them. One of them ends up getting out even after he promises Joseph he'd help him get out. He forgets all about he it didn't. until yeah, he until the betrayed. pharaoh get pharaoh gets this dream that the other guys like wait a second I remember this dude he's been in prison for a few years you know we were, we spent we did time together right, uh, right. Look, maybe he can do this so yeah, yeah Joseph gets betrayed I mean I know that over last week I talked again. about what a weenie he was um he gets betrayed over and over it's not just his brothers it's this yeah well you know, last guy week in prison. We were, Last week we were talking about how... I mean, the wife. Yeah. Last week we were talking about how, you know, like, life tempers you. Like, we we were talking about him being a little bit of a weenie. But but in the meantime, Joseph's been through some real things. And he's never lost faith in all of it. And he continues to use his gifts. And his gifts and his faithfulness to God and to cultivating those gifts ends up in this place where he is... Able to provide for his brothers as well as forgive them because he can see how it all works together. Yeah. But even before this particular moment, there is a big drama where like he they come and he recognizes them instantly and then he sends them home, but he he hides the money they paid him back in their bags. So it looks as if they stole I mean he is messing with them. And then he says, you need to bring back my brother, Benjamin. You need to bring back Benjamin. And they're afraid because Benjamin's now his father's favorite. Anyway, there's all this drama. But this is the moment where he can't take it anymore. And he fesses up about who he is. And Mm -hmm. it is just, I mean, they, they, they never saw this coming. And they probably have long since assumed he's dead. And they've been interacting with him all along. And it's just stunning. And it is it is this trans, transformation in Joseph that turns him from a weenie, which I think is the technical term, to this spirit, this generous spirit who has saved all of Egypt and is about to save all of Israel. Mm-hmm. And 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 he falls on his brothers and say don't feel bad and he and he explains how god has been at work um it's beautiful and it's just there's so much crying so much joy i can't wait you know i i often imagine the scene with jacob and 
you know, what a gift to him that before he dies, he learns that actually his beloved Joseph is still alive. Yeah. Um, although then he actually learns what what the other sons did. Yeah. And so that hurts. But he still then has this long recitation of blessings and Judah ends up with Judah ends up on top of that. Um, and and isn't that too where he makes them promise to carry his bones back? Yes. Oh. Which we then see in Exodus. Yeah. So. God, that's beautiful. So, yeah. so this is the wrap up. It actually also is a little bit like what happened to Joseph's father, Jacob, when Jacob reunites with his brother that he's cheated. Esau, yes. Um, that it's a similar falling on each other and weeping from falling the one each, who's been falling wronged. Falling on each other's neck and weeping. Right. The one who's been wronged turns out to have been waiting for this reunion for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think just sort of in a big picture, one of the things we're supposed to sort of see in this is that that's how God is. That we yeah, may feel is... so afraid to face God with who we are and be so afraid to like stand before God with all of our brokenness and all of the terrible things we've done. And, and these characters in God's name really fall on their neck and, and forgive them. It's beautiful. And why would we ever think God would be less loving, less compassionate than Joseph or Esau? It's like, I think people focus too much on the word judgment and not on who the judge is. And these stories are supposed to tell us something about who the judge is. Oh, it has. That these stories are supposed to tell us about who the judge is. And the judge looks at you and loves you and falls on your neck weeping. Shows infinite mercy. I know. It's so beautiful. It's a vision of heaven. Should we... um, switch to the i mean we talked a lot about joseph and the brothers and stuff last week um Mm -hmm. and i do apologize for my missed simpsons um the picture i had in my mind so one would say that your simpsons uh thing yesterday was yesterday your simpsons reference last week was not excellent (laughs) nice i see what you did there All all right so the gospel, the gospel reading is from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting at us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. And here ends the lesson. 
So this is not Jesus's finest moment. Or is it? Let's fight. Okay. So leading right up, up to until, this. Right up until he says, woman, great is your faith. This is not Jesus's best moment. You can make your pitch first if you think okay. it's all a setup. I think I think I think that's an act. If you read what happens before, there are two distinct points leading up to this where he is basically arguing with the Pharisees who keep trying to trip him up about the need for mercy. And I think at this point in time, this might just be him kind of doing a, a wink. All right, so you want to go ahead and conduct mercy in the way that you're teaching. And by saying this, I do want to reiterate that Pharisees were a very particular set of individuals within Judaism, not all of Judaism. And they had their own things going on that were highly observant of law. And in that particular subset of Judaism, Gentiles were simply unclean and not allowed. Well, and again, so, they're trying they're being faithful. They're not trying to be right. mean. They're, they're not being mean. They're following the what, what they understand as best the law. They know. Yeah. Right. And Jesus is telling them all throughout this that no, the law is expansive and the law is merciful. And so you think this is like a performance art piece of if if your understanding of the law is really what it is, this is how I would treat this is her. How, how I do you would feel treat about her. that? Yeah. So I think I think that that is a, a as viable a reading of it as what. So I would say, though, that the first phrase of where we start this little pericope or vignette, Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Mm-hmm. The Pharisees aren't there; they aren't there to see this. And. There's another thing that makes me wonder. I mean, I like, I like that idea because it is, um, you know, it's a prophetic action. If it, it sort of would throw their own behavior in their own faces, mm-hmm. except, except well, that they'd be fine with it. Going to Tyre and Sidon is a prophetic action just because as much. Because that's not, because that is the land of the Gentiles. Yeah, he is, he is literally going to where they would not and but so i would say and taking his disciples with him to teach them yeah to show them but one of the things i mean i i love that idea but i still think that a plain meaning of what we're seeing here when we know the pharisees are not watching this is that his mind is changed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he does talk to the Syrophoenician woman, which I don't remember where that is with respect to this. But I I think the plain meaning, and I know that's also a legal sort of interpreting the Constitution rule, but I think the plain meaning of this is he's doing this in a place where the story's not going to get back to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, even if they saw this happened, they're not going to be affected by it. And if, if Jesus was trying to show a different way, 
you know, she had to come back at him three times. What if she had just gone away? You know, I just, I feel like this might be a time where Jesus is actually having to push the boundaries of his own compassion. And the disciples don't get it either because the disciples are like, send her away. She's bugging us. At its face, what we're seeing here is like racism and xenophobia and religious bigotry. Yes. And I I think that that's intentional. And, well, certainly the fact that the story is here and the ending is what it is. Right. It's intentional. Yeah. It's inclusion is... I still think, especially following on what preceded it, it's I still think intentionally it's a, uh, a teaching moment that whether or not it happened in the sequence it did, it definitely was placed in this sequence by the gospel writers. And and I think it's a moment of Jesus changing his mind. Oh, I think that there's still yeah, there's definitely metanoia that is represented here. Absolutely. So. So let's zoom out big picture. So whether we look at it as always his plan and a prophetic act to, to show the Pharisees how heartless the rigid application of law is, or whether it's Jesus changing his mind, the big picture here is that Jesus very clearly refutes that the racism, the xenophobia, and the and the the, ba- the boundary the boundary is the open. boundary was very clear yeah and the pharisees were doing the best they can with with the law to be people of good faith and and uphold the law i mean it's really really important that we as christians make clear that the the pharisees were were often the um focus of jesus's ire mm-hmm. and 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 they were a very particular group, not not all not of, all Jewish people. Yeah. And but, and even within the Pharisees there were factions. So Yeah. But it's it's also more like the way to borrow from last week, the way brothers fight with each other. Yeah. You know? It's like, no, that's not what this is about, this rule that the father set for us. It's not about that. You've got it wrong. You know, the passion is the point. The point of the rules is, is mercy, not right. And the, and to the, be bounded by them. And ultimately that's what we see and know and follow, but it's not a, um, meant to be just a sweeping universal, um, tear down of the Pharisees. Mm. But this is a very subversive story. Yes. And the fact that it's in the scriptures, regardless of what Jesus's motivation was, the fact that it's in the story when it makes Jesus look bad, it seems pretty likely that something like this actually happened and shocked everyone. Because the disciples look bad, Jesus looks bad unless it's seen as all part of this plan. Though often in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus will pull them aside and say, see, that was always part of my plan. But the woman's faith was great. And when she says, Lord, help me, I just, God, as a mother myself, Mm -hmm. 
Oh, I, I love I love the desperation. That. She comes at him. It's three the, times. It's the next thing. Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs yeah, that I fall know. from their master's table. She's, she is And it's sharp. just, I mean, that is just like, ugh. I know. Um, she is She is sharp, and she is using his words against her. This is a desperate woman who is really smart and really courageous. And at first, and she believed. That's the thing. Her. She believed that and knew that he'd be able to, to help. So, And I can't stand this line but he did not answer her at all Mm. oh how often do the people with power just literally not answer the people who are calling out how often i mean how often does the church well i'm thinking about here in washington dc story after story after story of people who have been calling the unemployment office Oh, yeah. Since March, and not getting answer, not like having sent in their paperwork and not hearing anything, like how often does it happen that people who are desperate are calling out and the people with power don't answer? God, that line gets me. Well, and in another spot, Jesus teaches about that with the guy going over and knocking on his neighbor's door after. He's gone to bed for the night asking for a couple of loaves of bread because he had a couple of visitors show up right. from out of nowhere. Right. And the point being, even if he's not going to give him the bread out of friendship, he'll give him the bread to finally just shut him up. Shut him up. I was so thinking there's... about the one where the blind guy is sitting on the side of the road calling out to Jesus and the people are saying, hush him up, hush him, you know. Yeah. Shut him up, shut him up, you know. Jesus, um, son of David, have mercy on me. Yeah. So, So whatever else... The beginning of this story is the end of it is a very clear. There's something that has changed in the ministry, and going forward, everybody's included. Right. Categorically, and regardless of their of their race. I mean, she's also a woman. Yeah, she's a woman. Which, she's a Gentile. She's a Canaanite woman. So right. It's it's really. I mean, again, our expression of Christianity which looks at the words and the actions of Jesus, not just at his death and resurrection, but that the words and actions of Jesus matter. They tell us about God. And what God is, God's mercy, but also tell us how we should be behaving. Yeah. It's, woo, this is such a powerful And in story. some cases, when we're not getting the answer that we want, sometimes we just got to keep pestering. Keep at it. Yeah, she, I mean, it's speak, clear she's desperate. Speak to power, whether that power be, you well, know, the and world she power is, or, or God. Just I mean, keep at it. And she is a total, I mean, I have to say this is kind of a woman cut from my own cloth, right? Because she's kind of snarky. And I love that. She's a, yeah, no, she she's, uses she's her debating gift right back. Totally. Yes, she is. She uses his metaphor. And the metaphor is such an insult yeah, dogs. But instead of being like thrown off by it or so discouraged or even just begging yeah. again. Like, oh, okay, it's going to be like that. She throws it back at Let him. Let me do this. She is like my spirit animal. Um, <laughs> and I thought and your spirit I animal was a penguin. Badass. I 
you know, I was, I don't know what my spirit animal is. Why, why a penguin? Because I waddle. Because you wear black and white. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I don't actually yeah. wear a collar very much. That's you true. wear a collar. That's true. Oh. Yeah. I'm one of those people. Yeah. All right, beloved. I picked Lectio for last. Yes, week. you did. And so I think it's your turn. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. Well, Benjamin wept upon his neck. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. Well, Benjamin wept upon his neck. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. Well, Benjamin wept upon his neck. So this reminds me instantly of a moment in my own life when my older sister had been living in Hawaii for two years because her husband was in the Marine Corps and he had been stationed in Pearl City, Hawaii. And so my sister and my nephew were living there. And I was in law school and I didn't go see them those two years. That's when you're supposed to go see them. Yeah, I didn't have any money and I worked, you know, I just didn't, yeah. I didn't, wasn't able to make it work. And so I remember walking back into my parents' house after having been at work and there they were. Hmm. And I had not realized until I saw them how deeply I missed them. Mm -hmm. And it's like I started crying before my body even, my mind even registered it. And I, I mean, it's sort of just like that. I fell on my sister's neck and wept. Like I sobbed. I, my body missed her with just, just ache. And that's what this is between those brothers is your body knows how deeply you loved and how how much you ache and what joy it is to be together again and um and so that made me think of that right away what does it make you think of tim the part then he fell upon just the the total giving over of oneself mm. in that in that moment of love and exchange um, very similarly, you know, growing up, I, my, my brother, Sean and I were probably the biggest arrivals in the family. Like, uh, we both were ambitious and, um, intelligent. We had different interests. Um, but, Thank God. but he, uh, <laughs> you know, he and I, we're consistently at each other, mm-hmm. you know, and like e- even into the early part of my marriage with Tanya, there's one point where like he and I like about came to blows over a game of trivial pursuit. <laughs> just, just, to, <laughs> I mean, that, that's the level, that's the level As of one does. we're talking about. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, but then over the years, it's especially, not really a especially after, pursuit especially after he had kids and everything, you know, everything just softened Mm -hmm. and I was able to stop on the way driving out here to take up this post in Rhode Island, stop and spend the night at his house in Oklahoma city now. 
and just the level of joy and love and gladness mm-hmm. at seeing my brother is overwhelming. And mm-hmm. that was not after, you know, any major rupture. He didn't like sell me. You didn't steal his, steal his fortune or anything, or anything either, like yeah. that. No. <laughs> um, but just, just that moment. And, and then thinking about this in comparison to what it's like to, to have those moments of re re engagement in that mm-hmm. relationship and I've kind of been thinking about that in terms of what what it must be like when we will see each other again at the resurrection so before so I want to think about too what it will be like for us as a people as a country when we can finally look at each other as brothers and sisters and fall in on one another and fall and right when all that has been between us is forgiven and melts away. Oh, please, God, yes, let that day come soon. Um, so what's your prayer? What's your prayer or blessing? Uh, my, my blessing is for those who cannot forgive. Ooh. Whose pain is so great that it exceeds that capacity. And I pray. And Joseph had every right, every right for that to be him. Absolutely. Um, he heard them saying they were going to kill him. Yeah. No, he, he heard it all. Can you imagine? I know. But in the end, you know, he chooses this. And he, in the end, has all the power, you know. So this mm-hmm. isn't like an acquiescence or, or right. anything. This is a, he has chosen this. But not everybody can. Not everybody can. And... Not everybody will. And I pray for those whose pain is so great that they can't. And for those who have not had the opportunity because of death to do this work. And I pray that they be blessed, that they find it in themselves anyway, and speak it to God if they can't speak it to anybody else. What's your prayer? So I'm going to go to the gospel, and I, I just got to go back to that mom. Hmm. To all the parents who are deeply struggling because their children are being devoured by a demon, whether that demon is mental illness or addiction or an abusive relationship or, or poverty or mm-hmm. something else that's that's um, draining away their soul. Yeah. Um, I hear the desperation in her. I can imagine it myself. And even though most of the rest of the world won't hear you or will tell you you don't matter, God will hear and keep at it. And and now my blessing and prayer is with you as well. Have great faith. Oof. Amen. Yeah. All right, everybody. All right. Hey, next week, I will be coming to you from North Carolina. North Carolina? North Carolina. So I'll probably be talking with a southern accent. All right. Going down to the Outer Banks? 
We are. We'll be on vacation. All right. But I'm happy to bring my podcast gear because I love being with you and being with our listeners. I love this work. Two people who like each other talking about something we like very much and we think is important. That's what we're doing. That's doing. Yeah. All right. So leave us a rating. Tell your friends. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye now. One of my friends did point out to me that Ned Flanders is actually ripped and, you know, not you know what? exactly a weenie. I get I, it, but he's still... I know, but I was, I was picturing actually the old crumply guy and not Ned Flanders. Oh, Ned Flanders is still a weenie. Mr. Burns. I stand by that Ned Flanders is still a weenie. Yeah, but he's a ripped weenie. There's like, he's, he sent me this a, gif. He's like, he's I listened to your podcast guy. and sent me the gif of him ripping his shirt off. He's like, He's packed. such a goody two-shoes. He's just a That's weenie. That's it. He's That's just it. like Joseph.